terrifying millions of moviegoers for over 30 years. The graveyard ghoul from George Romero's classic Night of the Living Dead is back and hungrier than ever. Flesh Eater follows the fiendishly destructive path of a not-quite-dead killer one dark Halloween night. Join a group of teenagers as they take the nocturnal hayride of a lifetime in a pulse-pounding, non-stop onslaught of suspense, fright, and splattering gore. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie Bros. Here we review low-budget films as critically as we can. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. We're broadcasting from Millvale Studios on the River's Edge Network. And on this week's edition, we bring you the legendary Bill Heinzman's zombie masterpiece, Flesh Eater, from 1988. So, let's take a look at the cover here. You already heard what was on the back of the box. Let's take a look at the front. So, on the front of the uh, DVD case, we've got a, the zombie, or the main zombie, known as Flesh Eater, which is played by Bill Heinzman. He's he's staring ominously at some woman and, gra and grabbing a tree. And it says, um, Flesh Eater on the top, and the, at the bottom it says, He lived... He died, he's back, and he's hungry. And above Flesh Eater it says, That monster from the classic Night of the Living Dead is back from the grave, this time as the Flesh Eater. And we've got a nice little uh, color spot in the middle where the zombie is, and then everything around the edges is tinted red. Kind of like a violent, blood-spattered red. There actually is a little spattering of blood. Lots of blood. On the back, all the pictures are murder. Murder, 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 and trick-or-treat. So, surprise, it's a zombie movie. People die. So, and get eaten. We actually came across this movie many years ago. Uh, when Paul and I first met, we went to the Pittsburgh Zombie Fest in 2007. And we went into a movie screening that they had, and we jumped right into the middle of this 80s costume party, and then all of a sudden zombies were attacking, and people were screaming, and tits were showing, and we had no idea what was going on. We walked into, like, the best part of the movie and just had no idea what we stumbled onto. Then, you know, the movie ended, and somebody announced... You know, that was a screening of Bill Heinzman's Flesh Eater. And I was like, Bill Heinzman, he's here. Let's go talk to him. So we actually went and met Bill Heinzman. And when we told him we just got done watching Flesh Eater, he goes, huh, blood, gore, ass, and tits. Very nice. And that's kind of stuck with me for many years. Yeah, he was an awesome guy. Just for, like, the few minutes we got to talk to him, he was really friendly, real personal. And just his him describing his own movie that way was fantastic so after a couple years ended up getting it on dvd in a three pack with a couple other zombie movies and now it is uh one atrocity in my collection of nobody wants to watch this shit so let's uh talk about what did you think going into this movie even though we've seen half of it before what did you think going in at first sight yeah, it was really weird because I didn't really think much after what I saw 
I mean, we like Corey said, we walked in, there was blood, there was gore, and there were tits, and that was, I expected the whole movie basically to be that, and we, it, it had been like, what, seven years since we had seen it? Like that one portion of the movie? Uh, just about closer to eight years. Yeah, and so when we finally got to watch it, I was basically expecting exactly what I had seen, but more so, I guess. So those were my expectations of it. I mean, pretty much, it. pretty much the same thing. I was expecting zombies. I was expecting parties. I was expecting costumes, and I was expecting sex to be going on. And when I say costumes, I don't mean like the the zombie makeup, and pe- I mean people in costumes. Like there's a guy in a chicken costume and. A guy in a kung fu kung kung fu outfit and all that jazz. That makes it really weird to walk into it randomly when all that's going on. But speaking of people in costumes, let's get into some character breakdowns. It's really hard to talk about the characters of this movie. None of them even had last names. It was just like Bob and Sally and you know Eddie and. Let's just go through a couple of the ones. It's really hard, it, especially the ones that have names, they don't get mentioned that often. So some of them I named myself, and some of them have actual movie names. So we had the horny couple, who any horny couple in a movie is only there to be murdered. Which they are. And yeah, they sneak off to have sex and end up getting killed. Big surprise. You've got Eddie, who is the, the jackass of the friend group. He plays pranks on anybody. He's self-centered. He's only looking out for himself. We have Bob and Sally who are the quote-unquote main characters of the movie. They're the only characters that survive each of the zombie attacks. And the zombie attacks kind of follow their path. Like they're maybe leading them around. Uh, We've got Ralph who is the only person in the group of friends who tries to come up with a plan and fight the zombies and get through this in some way everybody else kind of just freaks out then we've got harv who was a local cop um some random ass family and i'm still questioning why they're in this movie they were there to die basically they were just there to get killed by zombies and unlike the rest of the zombie attacks bob and sally don't ever interact with this family they're just kind of there we had andy who was throwing the costume party in the barn and then we have the flesh eater who was just this overpowering master of the undead art of mastication and that was like the only characters i could figure out there were a lot of cannon fodder characters uh, no named terrible lined in it for several minutes and gone i kept confusing them them to be honest like um bob and sally i think it was i had actually forgotten they were in the movie for a decent portion of it so when they came back like is that are those the same characters or two different ones it doesn't matter well let's go through the plot points here we have an 88 minute movie and we'll get through this pretty quick so the movie starts out with a quote And it says, This evil which will take flesh and blood from thee and turn all ye unto evil. Scary. Then the teenagers arrive at a camp. The first zombie is unearthed at nine minutes. Then the horny couple sneaks off to a barn. The zombie shows up at the barn. 
Then the zombie attacks the camp of teenagers at 22 minutes. The teenagers board themselves up in a different barn. The police are called at 29 minutes because they actually had a working phone in the barn. Then in 32 minutes, the zombie attacks the barn. Then a family is getting ready for Halloween. 41 minutes in, the zombie attacks that family's house. Then a cop arrives at the barn. The kids find a farmer and ask to use his phone. Then the zombies attack a farmer's house. We're at 53 minutes, more than halfway through. There's a costume party in yet another barn. The zombies attack the barn party at 62 minutes. Then a posse's formed at 65 minutes to chase down and snuff out the remaining zombies. Then there's a twist for our main characters at 79 minutes. The posse torches the barn. And then the main zombie emerges from the barn to kill the sheriff at 85 minutes where the credits roll. So basically, teenagers, zombies, lots of gore. Really, when you said the word teenager, the first thing that popped into my head was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I thought you were going to start singing? I was tempted, I really was. But I I guess I was wrong. I I got my hopes up that we were going to have something better than this movie here. Sorry to disappoint. Damn it. So Next time. You know, how did what happened in the movie match up to your expectations? Uh, That was basically what i expected almost exactly uh i knew there were teenagers in it i knew that there were zombies in it it's pretty simple to plug in the rest of it and from what i had seen um yeah a lot of the teenagers get killed and oh there are lots of zombies eating people so flesh eater it it gives you everything that it promises yeah Um, the the only thing i mean the, the box art the cover is the main zombie bill heinzman that's perfect. It actually gives a good facial, which I think he uses that face every time he tries to eat somebody. And then the description on the back of the box talks about the teenagers, and the teenagers really don't have much bearing on this movie. A lot of them die before the half-hour mark, and the ones that don't die just kind of hide and don't have anything to do with the movie at all. So I felt watching this movie that it was supposed to be about the flesh eater, about Bill Heinzman's character rather than the teenagers, and it was just him and the other zombies, I guess his legion of the undead kind of finding people. So this is one of the few zombie movies taken from the point of view of the zombie, almost. So, let's get into technical difficulties, and if you've listened to us in the past couple weeks, technical difficulties, we kind of do a checklist of the good and bad audio, acting, visuals, special effects. We're changing it up. Now we're going to do some top threes. We're going to do the top three best things about this movie for me and the top three best from Paul, top three worst or bottom three, however you want to look at it, for both of us. So you want to do top three or bottom three first? Uh, Let's go with the um, top three. Start off positive and then ruin everybody's day. So... My third favorite thing about this was that they actually, you already mentioned it, they follow the zombies. And it's not many movies that they do that, and in the movies that they do, it kind of gets mucked up. Um, VHS 2 did it in one of their shorts where they follow a zombie through a helmet cam. And it's kind of interesting, but really dull and boring. And It's still one of the VHS movies, so yeah. And it actually... That I just described Flesh Eater. So, 
I mean, I guess they did it, but you know, I liked how they did it in this because they followed a particular zombie and how he was better than the other zombies, basically, and how he could do things that the others couldn't. He was stronger, he was faster, he was meaner, he could probably bite harder. The king zombie, really? Um, number two for me was at the very beginning of the movie, after the credits roll, there's an animated Bill Hinsman face, a cartoon face of him as the zombie, and it goes, rah, and bites the screen. It's so fantastic. And I just loved it. I thought it was hilarious. And it just took a whole different tone than the rest of the movie. But that was okay. Like, I just, I couldn't stop laughing for the next, like, 12 seconds. And that was about as good as this movie gets. But my favorite thing about this movie is just the Bill Heinzman zombie and just how totally badass he is. It was really great. Like I said, he he's stronger than the other zombies, and part of that is because he's the original zombie. He's the originator of the violent virus, Patient Zero, the cursed, however he's portrayed. And he actually, like, overpowers the other characters. He'll take, like, axes and pitchforks off of people and murder them with it. And he just shows a lot more intelligence than the rest of the zombies in the movie. So those are my top three. What about you? Uh, for me, I'd say number three would be the the fact that they kind of just went from this. It's kind of a positive and a negative. Which watch number three is they really didn't waste much time with like, oh well, they were following this group and now we're here. It's just a bunch of people getting killed. It kind of showed as how the zombie plague sort of spread to this area. Like, it's here, now it's over here. I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, we mentioned the family and how they were... They had nothing to do with the rest of the movie, but that kind of showed that this whole thing was spreading and it was more like about the zombie vir- the zombie plague spreading rather than about people dealing with it. And every time there was a zombie attack, they incorporated the last few zombies that were created as well as some of the older ones yes it was very consistent overall i'd say second would be the fact that this is kind of sort of related to um night of the living dead because bill hensman is the original zombie and that's what they were going for he was um the first zombie uh to appear in the graveyard scene in night of the living dead and he He's best known for that, and he made an entire movie off of that, and I think that is just fantastic. And that was the basis for most zombie movies after that. It's true. Before that, most zombie movies were voodoo magic and not very menacing. The zombies were just kind of mindless drones that were controlled by something else, whereas his original portrayal set in motion and set the stage for zombies to come. It's true. And I'd say for number one, I would just say that it was interesting kind of seeing a zombie as the main character. Like, they, none of the human characters mattered. They were just there to die. And most of them did what they were supposed to do. And they did it quite well. And I thought it was interesting. They didn't, they actually, Bill Hensman's character, the flesh eater, was just, he was the only he was the only part of the movie you really care about that we really like. And it's not because he's a hero, it's because 
there's something about the way he's he he acts and just knowing that he's the first zombie ever that you're just very interested. It's kind of like a uh, Jason Voorhees or like um like Freddy Krueger except, you know, they try to have other people. If they just had a movie it's like I'm a serial killer and I'm just killing people and none of them matter like that would be something. And this kind of was like that in a lot of ways. Go zombie go. Do 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 do. So all right, let's get into our bottom three here. So for me, number three would have been the disconnected storyline. They don't connect what goes on other than zombies are eating people. Now zombies are eating these people. Now zombies are eating these people. And I guess they try to connect it with Bill and Sally or Bob and Sally or Sally Joe Bob or whoever it is running between all the different parties. Who cares? But I just, it bothers me a lot. Number two, the acting and the dialogue is just atrocious. You know, they find their friends dead in a barn and they go, oh no, what has happened? Even as they're getting killed, it's like, ah. Yeah, and then there's, there's gems in the movie like, you know, is it dead? Well, I don't know. I just shot it in the face. I hope that's enough. You know, and then let's find something to board up this barn. Hammer! Like, it's just so dry. Yeah, it. The, there was really no good acting in this at all. It's kind of like they were just reading off cue cards that were off screen and not actually acting. I was half expecting one of them to say, screaming loudly. And then number one. One of my pet peeves is at the very beginning of the movie, they gave that quote, and the quote doesn't have a source. And it doesn't say, like, unknown source or author unknown or, like, even somebody. It's just a quote. And I can't stand when people quote things or they just have a quote on a paper or in a movie or on the screen and they don't tell you where it comes from and it just pisses me off and you actually do find out later in the movie that the quote is from the coffin that the flesh eater is sealed in so I guess it's the curse that was put on his coffin that if you disturb this he's gonna come and eat your face off yeah so you never really know who wrote it or what that was about if it had said in the beginning like you know ancient cult or you know druids or something like that that would have been a bit better but this is just kind of well there is it says something for the bible says <laughs> so the coffin says all right so paul what are your bottom three uh this is a tough one i'd say for number three it would be i'm actually going to go with the acting is number three as bad as it was and there was nothing good about it um it made me laugh, I'll I'll be honest about that. And that's not a compliment, obviously, but I at least got a few laughs out of that. Like there's one point where um the um one couple is fighting um the flesh eater and he the guy has a pitchfork and he misses this zombie who's standing still and just stands there. Like, you have a pitchfork do something and then of course the flesh eater just takes it from him and stabs him and it was just so ridiculous that i couldn't help but laugh at that 
Uh, number two, I'd have to say that it was the fact that it was. It um, was. Yeah, it's. I'm trying. I don't even. I don't even really know like what's like how to rate these things exactly. It was just kind of the whole movie in general, but the whole movie was the bottom two. In yeah, one. I don't really know. I mean, the sound quality wasn't very good. Um, the I guess overall, I'd have to say um, I'm just gonna skip the whole one and two thing to say this movie was only made and only was attractive to anyone because of Night of the Living Dead and. Except for the fact that it followed around the first zombie, which, you know, we we're all wondering what happened to that one after that. And then um, 20 years, we finally got our answer, I guess. Um, it really didn't do anything for the whole zombie thing. And you can't even really give it credit much for um, being innovative because it came out 20 years after Night of the Living Dead and uh, a decent amount of time after, um, after Dawn of the Dead. So basically just the whole movie is a bottom one two three well since we both talked about it how about we have a special edition of quote wars all right if you can't figure out where these quotes come from you need to just stop listening here Just for reference, those were the zombies in the movie and the cop's gun because those were the best lines in the movie. And this was tonight's um, edition of Quote Wars. So don't forget to tweet us at Bros, all one word, and tell us which quote was your favorite and who won this episode's quote war. Not that you could really tell who was who in this one. I personally like the gunshot. And let's talk about what else what else can we talk about with this movie there's actually a lot this movie has some great uh, writing about it some great documentaries even though they're, they're kind of short that tells us a little bit about what went on knowing about the movie and the history behind it and everything is a lot more interesting than actually watching the movie which so first makes it, makes it a bit better actually let's just give you a little thing because we talk about all the time how movies are so low budget that we watch this movie in 1988 had a budget of $60,000. I thought you were going to say $6. Now, just for reference, The Evil Dead from 1979 had, oh man, I can't remember. It was either two or $300,000. And that was considered a low-budget movie. And that was 10 years before this. So... This was a truly low-budget movie. And just to show you how low-budget it was, let me tell you the salary for the people working on this movie. Most crew members and actors got $25 a day working on this movie. If it was a quote-unquote short day, which they never did explain what a short day was, they would cut that pay in half. So a long day of filming, you got $25 for. A short day of filming, you got... 1250 
and you know with those kind of wages even in 1988 you can see why people really they didn't have top brass in this movie yeah no one was at all well known in this so this movie had two well known uh, alternate titles the first one being revenge of the living dead which is actually on the title screen in the movie. It says Flesh Eater, Revenge of the Living Dead. And the second one is the alternate title used in the UK, which is Zombie Nosh. You're kind of speechless with that one. Yeah, British. But um, one interesting thing about this, the reason why it's called Flesh Eater, is the original title of Night of the Living Dead was supposed to be Night of the Flesh Eaters. So Bill Hinsman kind of took that the Flesh Eater part, which was dropped and made his own movie called Flesh Eater, which is kind of clever. So, speaking of Night of the Living Dead, actually, one of the actors from Night of the Living Dead, aside from Bill Heinzman, reprises his role as one of the gunmen in the posse, and, spoiler alert, skip ahead like 30 seconds if you don't want this spoiler, at the end of Night of the Living Dead, this man shoots Ben in the head. Ben is not dead, he's not a zombie, he's still alive. Well, at the end of this movie... This guy shoots Bob and Sally in the head, just the same that he did to Ben, mistaking them for zombies, taking them out of the picture. Spoiler is spoiler is over. So that's a pretty neat thing that they actually got the same person to come back and do the same thing in this movie. Pretty much, it all kind of ties in with the whole um, Living Dead sort of um, universe. Now, the family in this movie, there was a reason they were in here unbeknownst to us at the time of watching this the little girl who is an angel in her costume is actually bill heinzman's daughter heidi and the woman who plays the angel's mother is actually bill heinzman's wife bonnie so that's why they were in this movie just so he could put his family in it there you go and it's kind of funny, there is one scene where Bill Heinzman noticeably gropes one of the actresses when he kills her. He rips off her towel and he squeezes her boob. And it's one of those things we commented on when uh, we saw him at the Zombie Fest back in 2007. And he was like, oh yeah, that was a good time, I remember doing that. <laughs> I'm sure it was. Like, it, just mind you, like, he was... 60 something 68 or 69 I believe when we saw him at the zombie fest so just like this basically 70 year old man being like oh yeah I remember groping her that was pretty fun um, this movie actually came about you know it was inspired by Night of the Living Dead and the original zombie but Bill Heinzman was invited to a convention and he was walking around with a Night of the Living Dead pin on and people kept coming up to him and recognizing him and telling him how great he was and how he was their favorite zombie. And that gave him the idea to turn this idea of the number one zombie into its own movie. So that's where he came up with the idea to turn it into a movie. People recognized it. People loved it. And he wanted to give the people what they cared about. It's one thing to be known for the first zombie and just to be known as a zombie in general is kind of impressive, but the first zombie, it's hes it's an impressive title, to say the least. And then also in coming up with this movie and in, in pre-production and everything, 
when Bill Heinzman did some promo photography for this in full makeup as the zombie, you know, holding the girl, like the photos that are on the cover art, he sent a picture to both George Romero and John Russo, the co-writers and co-directors of Night of the Living Dead. And he promptly received attorney letters from both of them saying, you're not allowed to do this. And his response was, I don't give a shit. I'm going to do it anyway. And he did. And we're all better off for it. And he actually did go on to work with John Russo more throughout his career after this movie. Uh, I'm not sure if he worked with George Romero anymore, but he did work with George Romero after Night of the Living Dead. I think he did some cinematography stuff with uh, George Romero, but never actually... um, That's where he got into cinematography. Um, Yeah, but I'm pretty sure he did some after that with him on certain documentaries and things like that. Um, Like, for one, um, they did a documentary on O.J. Simpson, um, oddly enough, right before the O.J. Simpson trial. And um, it was created by George Romero, and um, um, Bill Heinzman uh, was the one who did the cinematography for it, so... So yeah, that's that's how he got into all that stuff. Actually, George Romero let him do um, director of photography and uh, second unit directing work on The Crazies in 1979. And all the like extra things with soldiers running around or people being evacuated or buildings burning down, that was all done by Bill Heinzman, which kind of shows in this movie because this movie's mostly... Nothing happening, people running around, buildings burning down. It's amazing how zombies really caught on after this whole time period, and they're still going on to this point in in media. They've made a comeback. Yeah. You could say they rose from the grave. Oh. Um, There was a scene in the movie where Bill Heinzman had to eat a heart that he ripped out of one of the characters' chests, and it was supposed to be a gelatin heart. And due to some extenuating circumstances, like one of the makeup assistants assistants not knowing what a heart looks like, they didn't find the pig heart that they were looking for until like three in the morning, the day they were going to shoot this scene. So they didn't have time to make a gelatin heart. So instead of making a gelatin heart, they just put the pig heart into the, the gelatin torso and they didn't tell Bill. <laughs> so he rips his heart out and he goes and takes a big bite out of it. And then he starts swearing up a storm, yelling at the, the makeup artist, You trying to kill me? What the hell is going on here? I really hope they at least washed it first. <laughs> and <laughs> just a lot of silly shit happened on set. Um,. Bill Heinzman, all the guns in the movie, um, they shot blanks. Generally, in a movie, you're shooting blanks and not real ammunition. And Bill Heinzman made all the blanks. And there's a scene where a hunter shoots the one zombie. And it's a shot. Bill Heinzman is up in in the guy's face. He's from below. And the guy's pointing his rifle at the ground. And he shoots it. And Bill Heinzman put too much powder in the cartridge. Oh, 
man. And he got shot in the foot with the cardboard wadding that he put in there. And once again, he starts screaming and swearing. But this time it was his own damn fault. Pretty much. Seems like they had a lot of fun on set. And then in post-production, there was one scene that the makers of this movie decided was too vile to put in here. There was there were two shots done of a certain actress that gets pulled down and, you know, her top gets ripped off in one shot and then she gets bit by the zombie and the other shot, her top doesn't get ripped off. Well, they said in the shot that her top got ripped off that the zombie was getting into everything and ready to bite her and you could just see the gears working in the guy's head and he's like, oh yeah, I'm supposed to rip her top off. He like stops reaches down and like tears it off in this horrible jerking motion and they just thought that it was too embarrassing for the actress to put this into the movie so these people who were making a movie about murder sex halloween nudity zombies decided that this scene was too perverted to put in the movie wow that's saying a lot and they don't even have it on, like, an outtakes reel or anything. Because I, I, like, really was interested. I was like, how bad is this scene, like, that this guy did this, that they decided not to put it in? They probably burnt the scene after that. They probably left it in the barn when they burn it down. Yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to say or found out about this movie? Uh, not particularly. I think you covered most of it. Um, Basically, um, this was the... F- this, this is the only movie that Bill Heinzman is actually credited in writing and starring in. So he's, he's he was, like we said, he was original zombie in uh, The Living Dead. And he's helped uh, both George Romero and John Russo in, um, in several other endeavors that they've been in. But this was kind of his, um, uh, his input into the whole zombie film thing of it that he can call his own. Like He directed it, he started it, he wrote it, he produced it, he did literally everything in it. And this was the second movie he directed. The first movie being The Majorettes in 1987. So he was still a novice director at this point. And that one was actually written by John Russo, who was the co-writer of Night of the Living Dead. So it, it all ties together. This little, you know, Pittsburgh area, western Pennsylvania family of filmmaking yeah that's another great part is since we live we live we live around the pittsburgh area we can actually see um parts where this movie was filmed and just the whole zombie the whole zombie thing just really resonates in the in pittsburgh a lot and it's because of guys like um romero and and heinzberg heinzman and just uh russo so let's go beyond the real here and talk a little bit more about the life of Bill Heinzman. We've talked a lot about him with this movie. Bill Heinzman was born October 24th, 1936. And I think it's pretty fitting that he was born in October, seeing as how basically everything he worked on in motion pictures was horror-related. He did do a lot of work in educational and safety videos but that was more to pay the bills that wasn't his passion yeah um he was actually born not bill or william he was born samuel william heinzman but most people called him bill 
He played his first on-screen zombie, of course, in Night of the Living Dead. And in that movie, while on set, he actually saved somebody's life. Um, one of the other actors, Gary Striner, um, caught on fire on set. Wow. And in full zombie makeup, he Bill Heinzman tackled him and put out the flames. So he was, I mean, he was a really good guy. And even when we talked to him at Zombie Fest, you could tell he was just a, a, a nice guy, a good guy. Very personal, very um, down-to-earth. And, like, a very uncaring attitude. Like, he doesn't care who you are, what you what you like. He's going to be himself, and it just kind of came off in a good-natured way. And from everything I could find about him, it seemed like he was always attending these different zombie ev- events. He um, went to, like, zombie luau's. He was always just having fun and just talking to fans and just being himself, and a lot of people really liked him. There was another part while filming Night of the Living Dead that Heinzman became very distressed uh, when he breaks the window of the car. Because it's a real window and not a breakaway window, he, he picked up a rock, and he had to hit it three times. And when he actually does break the window, the rock flies out of his hand. And George Romero was holding the camera, and he thought he hit Romero in the head with the rock. And Romero kind of fell over, and he actually thought that he killed George Romero at this point. And killed while making a zombie movie. Luckily, you know, there was no injury sustained. But he was just like, oh my god, what have I done? Like, I've killed my friend. And zombies were a lot smarter back then. Like, they could actually think to pick up rocks and weapons and things. I think that was just Bill Heinzman's zombie. Yeah, but even in uh, Night of the Living Dead, like, um, they show some with knives and things oh, like that. Oh, they pick like, up clubs and everything. Yeah. And they, they talk about that in in Dawn of the Dead. That it's just kind of like basic instincts. You know, pick up something heavy and beat with it. Kind of like they're, they're monkeys, but less intelligent monkeys. But nowadays in, like, The Walking Dead and things like that, they're not even that smart. They're just like... Uh, I'm moving, and that's about as, as intelligent as I can get. Uh, Zombies have really gone downhill. And then, unfortunately, in 2012, February 5th, Bill Heinzman passed away. Um, he suffered from rectal cancer. And he died at the age of 75. So, uh, a, a great loss to the independent film community... Um, he worked on things up, up through the end of his life um, until he literally couldn't work anymore. Um, a lot of determination, a lot of willpower, a lot of gusto, and uh, I, I admire him. Oh, definitely. And one nice thing is um, af- soon after he died, he was entered into the Fangoria um, Hall of Fame um, 2012, like soon after he died, and it's just he's got his mark on history of horror. So that's that's always nice. So while we're talking about the dead and everything here, I want to talk about something in unrelated news. This weekend, you know, unfortunately I had to attend a funeral for one of my wife's friends back in Cleveland. Um, well, not her friend, but her friend's father passed away suddenly. And, you know, we were in the funeral procession, and unfortunately I've been in more than a few funeral processions so i know how they go you get in your car you turn on your blinkers you drive 25 miles an hour to the graveyard pretty standard fare no stopping no speeding up no slowing down well i don't know if it's just ohio 
that does it differently or if it was this funeral procession in particular. But there were times where we were driving at like 10 miles an hour and there were times we were driving at 40 miles an hour. There were times where we were completely stopped. There were times... We, we didn't put our blinkers on. Like, nobody had their blinkers on their four ways. There were no cops at the beginning and end of the funeral procession, which I've always seen here in Pennsylvania. You know, we did have the little funeral flags. But the thing that really got to me was in the middle, because of all this, like, speeding up and slowing down, there was this jackass in a goddamn red convertible and his license plate was Ohio license plate I-N space D space W-I-N-D M-D wind and this jackass cuts in front of some of the people in the funeral possession to speed through a red light and I'm just like flabbergasted by this because I'm like what kind of an insensitive asshole Cuts into a goddamn funeral procession. Don't you have any respect for the dead? Like, I was just beside myself. And I'm screaming in the car. And, you know, eventually this guy turns out of the funeral procession. So, you know, as we pass the intersection where he turned out of the funeral procession, I'm screaming out the car window at him. And I just... What do you think about people doing things like that? Is, is it, like right or okay in any way to cut into a funeral procession just to get through a red light well i mean it's possible that he saw the flesh eater and thought you know better get out of here as soon as as fast as i can then he should have turned left instead of cutting into the funeral procession well i mean you panic you know things are going on you panic you're like i'm in a convertible i'm better than you fuck you asshole get out of my funeral procession have some respect so this is the second time you've done your um, kind of off-topic sort of thing. You know, I, I want to complain. I want to see if I can do this right. So I was at the gym this morning, and you know what really pisses me off? Not all the meatheads and the people flexing in the mirror and, like, their underwear. It's weird, but I worked at a gym for two years. Nothing phases me. But just when you're there, I hate when people leave their weights right in front of, of a weight bench. Like... And you don't know if they're coming back for it, if they just left it there because they're inconsiderate or anything like that. And I saw the guy who left it there, and he's this huge steroid freak. And I look over to see if he's going to move them, and he's already onto something else. And I was about to use it, and the guy just glares at me like, if you touch, if you touch my weights, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I'm like, well, you're an asshole. Like... And so I ended up moving them, and he just, like, gets up, looks at me, and walks away. And I'm like, what even was that? That was the weirdest situation. But as far as I'm concerned, that was his fault. If you get up, if you get up, and you start doing something else, it doesn't matter if you've left your stuff there. You have given up your spot at that particular place. Dude, I, I teach preschool, you know this. And that's one of those things that we teach our four-year-olds. When you're done playing with something... You put it away. Yeah, but four-year-olds can't, like, lift cars, like, with one hand, so, like... Um, so let's let's cut back to the movie here. Let's give our final take. Uh, out of ten, Paul... Oh, we do our reviews on the shot scale. It's a reverse scale, one being the best, ten being the worst. And it's how many shots do you need to get through this movie? So, Paul, just to score... 
one to ten, how many shots? I would give this movie a six, just because it really was kind of it really was kind of hard to watch. It's just the same zombies killing people over and over again. Um, it's not a movie I would really I'm particularly looking forward to um, to watching again, but um, it was just I'm I mean I'd watch I guess I'd watch it again um, in a few years, but it was just really hard to hard to watch overall. Um, I'd give it a seven out of ten. I found it hard to watch. I really did. The second time I watched it, I was sober and I just was praying to drink. But when I give it a second look, I like to be sober to make sure my first impression was correct, which it was definitely wrong. So why don't you give us a justification? You've got 60 seconds. I'd say overall the entire movie was contingent on if you really wanted to see the first zombie from Night of the Living Dead doing stuff, which was fun, but I don't think anyone really had the burning desire for it. I don't think this movie in 1988 really did much for um, the whole zombie the whole zombie genre in general. Uh, Night of the Living Dead had been out for 20 years. Uh, Dawn of the Dead had already been out. Tons of other zombie movies had come out. I mean, Bill Hensman is the original zombie. He's great to watch. He's real fun, but there really is no. If you're just going to see a see a zombie movie that like either really made an impression on the zombie medium in general, or was just a lot of fun to watch, I would I'd pick something else. It just there's really nothing nothing in this. It hasn't been done a million times and better. Well, as far as I go, I have to say, as far as B movies go, this is definitely high class or low class, depending on how you look at it. There's bad acting, run-of-the-mill special effects, bad writing, some blood, fair amount of nudity. We have zombie attacks, which are separated by log segments of people doing absolutely nothing interesting. The storyline is non-existent, as is the reason for the zombie uprising. We have main characters, but they're rarely seen and have no true bearing on the movie. The true redeeming quality of this movie is Bill Heinzman's zombie, who's just pure undead badassery. All the other zombies are your standard Romero-esque shamblers, have no personality or distinguishing traits other than the makeup. All this culminates to a movie which has little value after the, in after the initial, hey, let's watch this factor is gone, compelling me to give it a 7 out of 10 on the shot scale. You can't go into this expecting not anything great. It's cheap, and it shows. So, 6 out of 10 on the shot scale for Paul, 7 out of 10 for me. Let's get into everybody's favorite new segment, A Movie Companion. In this segment, we take a look at an A-class movie and tell you why this is just a different version of this B movie we just watched. So, for me, I have to go with The Mummy from 1999 with Brendan Fraser. And here are the reasons. Both Flesh Eater and The Mummy begin in the middle of nowhere. Flesh Eater in a forest, The Mummy in a desert. Then they progress to a populated town. And then they end up back in the middle of nowhere for the ending. The main characters are both imprisoned at the beginning of the movie. You know, Rick O'Connell is actually in prison in The Mummy. And the zombie is imprisoned in his coffin. Imhotep is brought back from his tomb being disturbed. Just like the zombie is brought back by his coffin being disturbed. The zombies just keep showing up to kill people out of nowhere, just like Emotep in The Mummy. They just 
show up, kill people, and disappear. Flesh Eater was released on August 17th, 1988. The Mummy in May, May 7th, 1999, giving them both a release year with matching ending digits, 8-8 for Flesh Eater, 9-9 for The Mummy, and having a 7 in the ones digit for the day of their release of the month. And then finally, when The Mummy was in its planning stages, it was actually supposed to be a low-budget horror film, and had George Romero attached to it to direct at one point, being more like a zombie movie than a mummy movie, with mummies just kind of resurrecting to kill people for no reason. And that is why The Mummy is just an A-movie version of Flesh Eater. That is pretty cool. I would actually, I'm going to be a lot less fun, just go with um, Night of the Living Dead on that one, just because it's they both have Bill Hinsman as the most distinguished zombie in it. They both pretty much take place in the same world. I know um, George Romero would probably argue that one, because he never gave um, Bill Hinsman, Bill Hinesman the right to... Um, make the movie but to use the character but it still is no matter what anyone says and overall it's just interesting to see from basically the the people going through the zombie plague they're from their point of view and being attacked and then seeing in this movie from like what was essentially the zombies point of view so i'd go with uh, that as a nice balance for the whole thing and they were both filmed in the western pennsylvania area that's true all right friends it's time to drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. We're going to give you some fun drinking games to help you get through this movie. Some from me, some from Paul. So, number one. Every time someone gets killed, take a drink. Number two. Anytime a reanimation is shown, take a drink. Three. Whenever boobs are shown, take a drink. Number four. Whenever an angel dies, finish your drink. And number five, whenever Bill Heinzman shows up on screen, take a drink in his memory and honor. Paul? Whenever Bill Heinzman gropes somebody, take a drink. Whenever just somebody gets killed, take a drink. That's really all I can think of. So take two drinks when somebody gets killed. Sure, why not? So that just about rounds out this week. As for next week, if you join us, we'll be checking out the softcore porn starlet Misty Monday in the 2004 Shockorama cinema release of Bite Me. So, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BMovieBros, that's all one word, and like us on Facebook at BMovieBros. Until we meet again, be brave, be alive, be back next week.